You're listening to That's News to Me, Episode 2. It's Wednesday, February 10, 2016. Hey guys, welcome back to That's News to Me. I'm Ace. Hope all of you enjoyed your Super Bowl weekend. Did you spend it with family and friends or did you kick it all by yourself just the way you like it? Either way, I'm glad you're here with me now. I have an excellent podcast lined up for you this week. In election cycle news, I'll break down the best two moments from the Republican debate. Bush versus Trump and Christie versus Rubio. Plus, the results from last night's Republican and Democratic primary in New Hampshire. Or should I say fallout? I'll explain the leaded water crisis in Flint, Michigan. What went wrong? How can it be fixed? And can it happen in your city? The musical Grease went all the way live on television. And apparently they took out all of the curse words we didn't even notice when we were kids. I'll compare the old lyrics with the new. Later on in the podcast, I'll share some serious thoughts about all of these pieces of weave I keep finding on the street. And of course, stay tuned for a Michael Jackson moment. All of this and much more. Put your helmets on, folks. We're going to have a good time. All right, how's everybody doing out there? You keeping warm? Even my Florida listeners are feeling some cold right about now. We don't care what the people up north say. This is cold to us. Football season's over. Now what? I know. It's tax season. Anybody excited about that? I'm not. Because the government said, snatch. You don't need any taxes. <laughs> they did it last year, too. Oh, well. That's the way it goes, right? What else has been going on? You checked out that O.J. Simpson TV special? It's once a week. It's like a mini-series. It's produced by John Travolta. It's called The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Part of the American Crime Story series. Not bad at all. Simpson is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's gotten some flack for not looking and sounding like O.J. Simpson. John Travolta plays Robert Shapiro, his attorney. We have David Schwimmer playing Robert Kardashian, another O.J. attorney. We have Courtney Vance playing Johnny Cochran. I think the show's pretty good. It's well done. Whether or not you think O.J. did it or not, it's a great show because it shows everybody's side. It shows, you know, what O.J.'s going through. Apparently feels really badly about what's going on. <laughs> Marsha Clark's character is a real pit bull. She wants blood, man. She's, she's out to get O.J. no matter what. I mean, this is a career case for her, right? Um, John Tavolta does a real good job. He's, I don't know. I don't know how Robert Shapiro acted, but if he's acting like Robert Shapiro acted, Robert Shapiro was a creepy bastard, man. I don't know what to say, but John Tavolta plays a good part. You guys should check that out. It's on once a week. I don't know what channel. Figure it out. I think you'll like it. Oh, by the way, I think OJ did it. There's no doubt. Too much evidence, man. But the show is wonderful. Check it out. All right, let me get right into this Republican debate news. I don't know if you guys watched the Republican debate on Saturday night, but it was very entertaining. Right off the bat, things were crazy. They couldn't even get the candidates onto the stage without it turning hilarious. First, they called out New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, right? While the crowd was still clapping and cheering for him, they called the Dr. Ben Carson. But he couldn't hear his name, so he stood there in the wings. The moderators were facing the crowd, so they didn't notice, 
and they moved on and they called out Senator Cruz from Texas. Now, this guy's an asshole. He just smirks at Carson and passes him and goes on stage. And this, this bastard knew what happened. He knew that Carson was messing up and should have been going on the stage. He could have told him, hey, head out there, buddy. They, they called you. But no, he just gives him that shit-eating grin and walks past him. Now, at this point, there's a stagehand peeking from behind the curtain, motioning to Carson, you know, get, get your ass out there. But Carson just shrugs him off. The stagehand just gives him one of those, well, just stand there and look like a dumbass then. Look. And he disappears behind the curtain. It was hilarious. Then it just gets better. They call out Donald Trump, and he doesn't hear his name over the applause for Cruz. So then he ends up just standing there next to Carson making those Trump facial expressions look like he's caught between laughing and suppressing a shirt. So Florida Senator Marco Rubio is introduced, and he just walks past them both, as does former governor from Florida Jeb Bush. By the way, a little trivia here. Jeb Bush's name is John Ellis Bush. Jeb's an acronym for that. So eventually Carson and Trump get onto the stage awkwardly, but I'm still not done. By this time, the moderators have turned toward the candidates on the stage and they can see that there's an empty podium on their left and they don't notice that Ohio Governor John Kasich is still waiting in the wings. It was a complete mess. It was embarrassing. Anyway, there were two highlights of the evening. One of them was Marco Rubio getting owned by Chris Christie for being robotic for not being able to think on the fly without memorized pieces of speech. Now, this was especially funny because Rubio had been getting kicked in the balls all week long about always repeating shit. So did he practice and make sure not to do it at the debate? Hell no. He repeated a variance of the quote, Barack Obama knows exactly what he is doing while he is trying to ruin the country. Even after Christie calls him out for it, he does it again. And again. And again. Here's a clip. Now, keep in mind at this point, He's already said it once before. And then here comes three more. Take a listen. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Barack Obama is undertaking a systematic effort to change this country, to make America more like the rest of the world. Um, first, let's remember something. Every morning when a United States senator wakes up, they think about what kind of speech can I give or what kind of bill can I drop? I like Marco Rubio. And he's a smart person and a good guy, but he simply does not have the experience to be president of the United States and make these decisions. I think the experience is not just what you did, but how it worked out. We don't need to add to it by electing someone who has experience at running up and, and destroying the credit rating of his state. But I would add this, let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is trying to change this country. He wants America to become more like the rest of the world. We don't want to be like the rest of the world. Senator Rubio, thank you. I do want to bring in Governor Bush on this Hold because on you've made this. Excuse me. If you'd like to respond to the economic... I think he directly point. mentioned Please. me in my record Governor in there. Christie. So I think I get a chance to respond. You see, everybody, I want the people at home to think about this. That's what Washington, D.C. does. The drive-by shot at the beginning with incorrect and incomplete information and then the memorized 25-second speech that is exactly what his advisors gave him. See, see, Marco, Marco, the thing is this. When you're president of the United States, when you're a governor of a state, the, the memorized 30-second speech where you talk about how a great America is at the end of it doesn't solve one problem for one person. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not there true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is. The memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the, that's there the it is, reason everybody. why this campaign is so important. What the hell was that, right? Rubio didn't help things the next day when he made the interview circuit. He repeated it again and insisted that it's an important point and the integral part of his campaign. 
to tell you the truth, I think all anybody heard was Obama knows what he's doing. So at a rally later on, he repeated the line about popular culture being shoved down America's throat a couple of times within a few minutes also, which is weird because I remember him a couple of years ago insisting he was the hip hop politician that was down with Tupac. And now he's apparently our defense against evil popular culture. The other golden nugget from Saturday's debate was when the topic was eminent domain. Eminent domain, by the way, is the right of the government to buy up property from homeowners or business owners in order to build roads or other things considered for the greater good. It's never pretty and it's always complicated. Trump famously tried to use eminent domain to force an old woman out of her home one time so he could make a limousine parking lot for one of his buildings. He denies it, but it happened. I remember when it was a big to-do. This woman wouldn't leave. She was like, screw you, Trump, I'm not leaving. And she didn't leave. Now, Jeb was hitting Trump about that, and Trump could only hit back by taunting Jeb and sarcastically calling him a tough guy. Then Trump lost the crowd, and it got really ugly. Listen up. Donald Trump did was use him in a domain to try to take the property of an elderly woman on the strip in Atlantic City. That is not public purpose. That is downright wrong. Hey, here's the problem with that. Right. Okay. The problem was it was to tear Jeb, down. It was to Jeb tear wants down. To be, he wants to be a tough guy. Down, he wants to be a tough guy. It tonight. was to tear down. I didn't the take house, the property. And the net I, result I was you tried. I didn't and take you the lost property. In the, court. the woman ultimately didn't want to do that. I that is not away, true. And, and the simple fact is didn't. to turn this into a limousine parking lot for his casinos is not a public use. And in Florida, based on what we did, we made that impossible. It is part of our constitution. That's the better approach. That is the conservative approach. Mr. Trump, take 30 seconds. Let let me just, you know, he wants to be a tough guy. A lot of times you'll have, you'll have, and and it doesn't work very well. How tough is it to take property from an elderly woman? Let me talk quiet. How tough is it? A lot of times, a lot of times, that's all of his donors and special interests (laughs) out there. So that's what it is. That's what. And by the way, let me just tell you, we needed tickets. You can't get them. You know who has the tickets for the I'm talking about to the television audience, donors, special interests, the people that are putting up the money. So it is. The RNC told us we have all donors in the audience. And the reason they're not loving me, the reason they're not, excuse me, the reason they're not loving me is I don't want their money. I'm going to do the right thing for the American public. I don't want their money. I don't need their money. And I'm the only one up here that can say that. Eminent domain, the Keystone Pipeline, do you consider that a private job? I you, consider you it consider a public that, use. No, no, let me ask you, Jeb. Do you consider the Keystone Pipeline use. private? It's is it public, public or private? It's a public use. Oh, really? A public use? No, yeah. it's a private job. It's a public it's use. It's a private Established job. Established by the courts, federal, state you courts. You wouldn't have the Keystone Pipeline that you want so badly without eminent domain. All right, exactly. You Henry. wouldn't have massive, excuse me, Josh, you wouldn't have massive factories without eminent domain. You know, Trump is one of those guys that says things to piss you off and provoke you to the point you want to punch him in the face. You and I both know that Jeb's huge corn-fed ass could easily walk over to Trump's podium and kick the shit out of him, right? I mean, but that's the way Trump is. He's, he's an instigator with nothing to back it up. Trump, Trump's the guy that sticks his tongue out at you and goes nanny-nanny-boo-boo and hides behind a teacher's leg. I mean, I'm obviously not promoting violence. Just suggesting that a television audience and expensive security can't protect you from every swing if somebody decides to snap on you. Voters in New Hampshire cast their ballots for both parties' nominees yesterday in their state's primary. 
And the winners from each side won easily, man. On the Republican side, Donald Trump won his first match after losing to Texas Senator Ted Cruz in Iowa's caucus. He won by more than 20 points, percentage points, which earned him 10 delegates that will represent him at the Republican convention in the summer. He was trailed in second place by Ohio Governor John Kasich, who surprised everybody. He came out of nowhere and he beat Cruz, Rubio, Bush. Kasich appears like the choice for Republicans that are a little more moderate and they recoil at the demagoguery and the populism that Trump is bringing to the race. On the Democratic side, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders won by a huge margin against former Secretary of State and New York Senator Hillary Clinton. Sanders earned 60% of the vote to Clinton's 39, which gives him 13 delegates to her nine. What's interesting to see is that Bernie beat Clinton among both men and women voters in New Hampshire, 66% of men and 55% of women. It gets worse when you break down the numbers for Clinton among women voters. She does best among women 65 and older. But in the 40, in the uh, 18 to 29-year-old demographic, Sanders got 80% of the vote. That's four out of five women in New Hampshire. Women 30 to 44 gave him 62% of the vote. So younger women of college age appear to be a big problem for Hillary Clinton right now because even though they might not be old enough to remember her scandals from the 90s, they also aren't old enough to remember her health care crusade and things like that either. So the women's vote is definitely not a given for her. So she's in for a fight. Let's keep in mind that this is only one state, and just like Iowa that came before it, it's mostly a white progressive electorate. Things are going to get interesting in the next two states to hold caucuses and primaries, Nevada and South Carolina. Northeasterners might feel the burn, but we'll see how he does in South Carolina, where the black voters have a lot more say. Clinton has a good track record with black voters, but Sanders has a very long history of fighting for civil rights at the street level. But getting that message out hasn't been easy for him. Donald Trump's not going to have a good time in South Carolina either, I don't think. These first four states to hold caucuses and primaries, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, they only account for 4% of the delegate count that you need to win a nomination for each party. Considering that about 56% of the delegates are handed out across the country on Super Tuesday in March, when the majority of states hold their respective caucuses and primaries, we haven't even gotten started. And like I mentioned before, the electorate in Iowa and New Hampshire isn't very representative of the entire country. So we'll see what's going to go on there. It's going to get interesting. We'll see if um, Bernie can continue with his momentum. I'm telling you what, Bill Clinton looked kind of sad the other night when he was speaking for Hillary. I think they're feeling a little bit of deja vu from 2008. We'll stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Now, come on, guys. This car could be a major piece of machinery. Do you know that? Now, look at this. But this car could be systematic, hydromatic, ultramatic. Why well, could be grease lightning? Grease lightning. We'll get some overhead lifters and four bell quads. Oh yeah. Keep talking, won't keep talking. Fuel injection cut off and chrome plated rods. Oh yeah. We get already. You know, when I was about six years old, back in 1979, grease was all of the rage. And I used to go over to my neighbor's house, brother and sister, and we used to watch Grease over and over again. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure how we watched it. Did we have VCRs back then? I don't remember. I, I know our house didn't have one. But somehow we used to watch Grease all of the time. Now, as an adult, I've come to realize that there are some nasty-ass lyrics in Grease. <laughs> but we apparently didn't realize that when we were kids. I'm not sure if our parents did. Probably figured we were too young to understand anyway, and it happens kind of quickly in these songs. 
We don't know what I'm talking about. Well, first of all, let's go over some of the other stuff that happens in Greece. Right at the beginning, I mean, nobody's down with when he's trying to talk about how he was getting physical with Sandra D. And uh, the other guy's like, did she put up a fight? That's not cool, man. There's all sorts of sexual innuendo in that movie. And, you know, it's a teen movie. So Grease Lightning, the song, was completely changed around for Grease Live. Mostly due to their sponsor, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's completely taken over Grease Live. They've got their signage and stuff. They're drinking Coca-Colas on stage. So they wanted a little bit of a cleaner lyrical content for the production. Remember Grease Lightning? I'm not sure if you do or not, or if you noticed at the time, but there's lines in Grease Lightning. Like, you know that ain't no shit. We'll be getting lots of tit in Grease Lightning. You are supreme. The chicks will cream for Grease Lightning. With new pistons, plugs, and shocks, I can get off my rocks. You know that I ain't bragging. She's a real pussy wagon. Now, I didn't know the word pussy when I was six years old. So, I don't know what I thought when I heard it, but we were singing the crap out of it. I know that. So this past week, Grease Live went from the stage to the television screen and people lost their minds over the lyric changes. For instance, the Chicksel Cream was changed to the Chicksel Scream. And she's a real pussy wagon was switched up to she's a real dragon wagon. Whatever the hell that means. They even changed one line from one of the songs was Lacey Lingerie and it became Wedding Bouquet. Come on, man. Folks, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee is holding a hearing today concerning the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. The water in Flint has been contaminated by lead and bad decisions, and it's already causing health problems. So what happened? Flint, Michigan used to get their water from Lake Huron after it was treated in Detroit, which is already ridiculous because Detroit is 80 miles away from Lake Huron, and Detroit is also 80 miles away from Flint. So they're piping this shit 80 miles. They pipe the treated water from Detroit to Flint. They didn't use water from the Flint River because it's nasty and corrosive. That's because there's a lot of chloride in it that comes from salt that either drains naturally from the soil or water from farms, manufacturing, and road runoff from de-icing. Now, anybody with a brain would wonder, why the hell did they switch to corrosive water? Any idiot knows that corrosive water can erode pipes and expose the lead in those pipes, which leads to water contaminated with lead. Well, the answer simply is money. Flint was ready to connect to another source from the good treated water in Lake Huron, but through a new pipeline. It was supposed to save them about $4 million a year, but that project was going to take two years. So in the meantime, they thought, well, the water from the nasty-ass Flint River is good enough, and we'll use that, and we'll just use an old backup water treatment facility here in Flint that's barely ever used. It's substandard. Now, this switch happened back in April 2014, and residents were immediately noticing that their water didn't look, smell, feel or taste right. Kids were having neurological problems, developmental problems. Adults were complaining about odd rashes and hair loss. Now, officials, meanwhile, from the city level and the state level, were all denying anything was wrong. They got 
inept, unqualified people to determine that the water was fine. Everything's fine, folks. Go ahead. Now, what's yet to be determined is whether or not they intentionally allowed this crisis to happen to a poor and forgotten community just to save some money. Now that the shit's hit the fan, officials are all pointing fingers at each other and denying culpability. Now, the water source was switched back to the safe water from Lake Huron through Detroit processing in November last year, but the damage has already been done. The water might be safe, but as soon as it flows through the pipes that lead from the streets to the house, it's contaminated. Now imagine this scale. Every home in the city needs the pipes from the streets to the house and all of the pipes within the houses replaced. Let's be honest. Flint's poor. Flint is a devastated community. The class of the economy hit there hard. And most of these homes probably aren't even worth the cost of total plumbing replacement. The government's going to have to step in and do what? Tear up every single yard in the city? Tear out all of the pipes inside of every home and then fix the walls, the yards, etc.? This is massive. There's lawsuits being filed. The government is allocating money for infrastructure repair. We're talking about a billion dollars. At least. You might want to check out the situation in your city and see if this could happen to you. Where do you get your water from? How does it get to your house from the street? What kind of pipes are used in there? How old is your house? What kind of pipes did they use? I think they stopped using lead pipes in 86. Might be wrong. Most cities, they add things to the water to counter the contamination. But the water in Flint is so messed up that the filtration systems the government provided the residents with, they're not even effective against the worst cases. Think about this. Every single thing you need water for, the people of Flint, they have to do it with bottles of water. Imagine if you need to rinse off your hands, bathe your babies and children and yourself, cook, clean things. Bottled water is expensive, man. After a while, the government, the charities, the celebrities, they've all provided some bottled water, stepping up. This is just awful all around, and we can only hope that the government steps up and takes care of this shit quickly, because the people of Flint don't deserve this at all. So I'll keep you guys apprised, let you know what happens with the uh, Oversight Committee. Good people, there is some sad, sad shit going down on these streets. At least once a week while out on the town or taking a walk to check the mail, I see them. Abandoned and forsaken pieces of hair extensions on the pavement. Why is this happening? How could people be so careless, so indifferent? After all of the sacrifice made by horses and Asian women, I refuse to believe that women are giving up on their weaves without cause. There has to be some conflict involved. Are the weaves of America's women under attack? How can we right this wrong and get things back on track? Why, just the other day, I was walking across a parking lot after buying some generic grits at Walmart, and a shimmer caught my eye. There it was, an empty Capri Sun pouch, as flat as the earth in a science-deficient rapper's mind, glistening in the sun with a healthy lock of loose weave tangled around it. Odd, Capri Sun lemon drop flavor. Damn, they discontinued that flavor a long time ago. I stood there in that Walmart parking lot and felt sad. I could hear the same music playing in my mind as you hear now. I pondered the situations that could possibly lead to the uprooting of some person's weave. Was it a hot summer day? Did the rays of the unforgiving sun beat down upon that woman's head and loosen the glue? Was this a case of unfortunate track slippage? Or was it something more insidious, more sinister? 
Was there a confrontation between a woman with a braided weave and an attacker? Was this not a case of loose tracks but instead a snatching? I stared forlornly at the Capri Sun since discontinued lemon drop flavor pouch and wondered, did a bitch not respect the pouch? Did someone wish someone would and then things got hairy? And why is everyone honking their horns? I'm in the crosswalk. We'll never know. Please, people. Let's not allow pieces of weave to litter our streets. Let's keep weaves where they belong. Covering horse assholes. For this week's Michael Jackson moment, I have a real treat for you guys. Rock With You was a number one single from the Off The Wall album back in 1979. Here's a clip of him in the studio recording the final moments of the song. It's basically an acapella because he's hearing the music in his headphones as he sings it along with his own pre-recorded vocals. Pay attention to the very end. You can hear sound engineer Bruce Swedeen ponder if they even hit the record button. <laughs> Check it out. Sunlight. I wanna rock 
Worth a listen? Okay, friends. I hope you enjoyed that. That's going to wrap it up for this second episode of That's News to Me. I look forward to seeing you next week. You guys stay safe out there. Don't do anything stupid. Leave that to me. Don't forget to share my show with your friends on Facebook. You can find That's News to Me's podcast on SoundCloud.com or directly from iTunes Store. Be sure to rate, subscribe to the show, and leave some comments. I appreciate the feedback. Check us out on the That's News to Me Facebook page also where you can leave some comments. You guys take it easy.